Hello, friends, and welcome. We're continuing in this, what's ending up being a series called Take Heart. And gosh, I hope you really felt loved by the Lord last time. I did. Pete and I were just in the room, just kind of soaking it in for ourselves, just hearing the Lord remind us of just how much He cares, His empathy, His comfort, His compassion, just so good. If you're just joining in the series, I would encourage you definitely to go back and listen to the last three and so that you'll kind of have the background of what I'm talking about today. But anyway, so I've, I told you last time that I would pick up this idea of, okay, suffering's normal in the present and all that I long for, <laughs> again, that Jesus says, I've overcome, I've gone ahead of you, I'm preparing a place, I'm going to come back, and when I do, all this suffering's going to be gone, it's going to be awesome. But in the meantime, right, in the meantime, how do we live in the present? While we live in the present, again, as I shared last week, is that, first of all, the Lord is with us, he's, he's, He cares, He comforts, full of compassion, etc. I think also the first time that I shared, we talked about the Holy Spirit being a deposit. So, so, so critical. The experience of the Holy Spirit, His love poured out into our hearts, His hope poured out into our hearts, His presence poured out into our hearts, and it's a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And so the Lord's provided quite a bit for us to just say, trust me, have hope in me. But back to perspective, the perspective on how do we live the present. The present, from my point of view, I think from Scripture's point of view, from the Lord's point of view, is that the present primarily then is not about us. It's not about me. Um, where again, our culture tries to tell us all the marketing, television, everything. I mean, it all tries to communicate to us that it's all about me. And and when Jesus came, it wasn't all about him. He was here. You know, he, and Paul said in Romans uh, 15, 3, that even the Lord Jesus did not please himself, that he came to serve, not to be served, that he came for a purpose. And I think one of the biggest transformations the Lord's trying to do in our mind and heart is to get us to that place that says, I will postpone, I will say to myself, normal, not now, later, but in the now, in the present, it's not about me. It's about, Lord, how can I use all that I have, my time, my energy, resource, for the sake of others? The present is not about our comfort. It's not about our prosperity. The present is about people and God's purposes. The present is about God's people, about people, about his purposes. This is what we have to hold on to. I think this is what gives us the grace that, yeah, there's times when it's plenty, as we said before, times when we're well-fed, times when we're hungry. That's just, it's just the way it is. And the Lord, as Paul says, finishes that thing, is it's in all these kinds of things that I can be a content, I can be peace through him who continuously infuses me with strength. And that's what we were kind of talking about last week. So what are these purposes? What is this thing you're, we need to be focusing on? Well, for me, generally, I think of three things. And it's easy for me to remember by thinking of it as these three G words, growth, gospel, and glory. Growth, gospel, and glory. Because see, at the very, right at the heart and soul of everything we've talked about before is, 
in First Love Ministries, it's about Luke 640, I think, is like the best verse about what discipleship is. The discipleship is about becoming like Jesus, where Jesus says, no student is greater than his master, but when he or she is fully trained, they will be like the master. The bottom line is, is the Lord's trying to transform us into his likeness, which we believe is actually to love as Jesus loved. And how Jesus loved primarily was that while he was on the planet, it was not about him. He was here for our sakes. Again, becoming poor so that we might become rich, that he left behind and he didn't use equality with God as something for his own advantage, but he emptied himself. He made himself nothing for our sake and became a servant. It was all about us. It was all about us. And in the same way as the Lord wants it to be all about others, all about others, all about others. And one of the first things he wants to do is to change us to become like him. And one of the huge primary shifts is that to be like him is to be for others, is to be thinking about others. How do I spend myself on behalf of others? So the first thing, though, is about growth. It's about transformation and that so much of what we suffer helps us see where we need to grow. It, it grows our faith. I mean, that's the beauty, right, of, of James um, 1, 2 through 4. I think we're all familiar with this passage, but let's just hear it again. Especially, let's hear it from the Lord, not from James per se, but let's hear it from the Lord. Brothers, sisters, children, I want you to consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Or again, it's almost the same idea, consider it joy. You have a choice. When you face trials of many kinds, what are you going to consider? What are you going to think? You have a choice. And he's saying, consider it joy. Now, what am I going to think that's going to cause me to think about my trials as, wow, oh, goody. (laughs) I don't know if we quite get to that point. Although I still think Paul is like crazy when he says in that same 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, you know, when the Lord said, my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect. So he says, so he says, I'm going to delight all the more in weakness, hardship, insult, persecution. I'm like, are you nuts? You're going to delight in this stuff? Or even in Romans 5, 3, he says that, you know, in fact, it's a perfect, Romans 5 begins with, you know, we've been saved, we've got this glorious future, but then he says we also rejoice in our sufferings because sufferings produces perseverance, character, and character hope. I mean, he's rejoicing in sufferings, he's delighting in weakness and hardship and insult. Trust me, everyone, I am not there yet. That is not my first reaction, and I'm still not where even through James, when the Lord would say, Mark, I want you to consider it pure joy. (sighs) Pure joy. Suddenly my mind just went (laughs) back to what I just said. I mean, even the fact that how how can we delight or rejoice in well, again, I, from Paul's perspective, is because there is a process that happens in that. That he says, no, he says, I will delight in these things because then his power rests on me. People see his power. I experience his power in his presence. Or he says, like James, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. It's how you see it that can actually cause you, in Paul's case, 
where he flat out says, I rejoice in my suffering, I delight in my hardship and weakness. So here now through James, the Lord says, so Mark, consider it pure joy, pure joy. Again, it points to the fact that you have a choice. What emotion are you going to feel based on what you're experiencing? Well, what is it that he thinks about? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, the ultimate goal of this, where the joy comes, is because it does something to our faith. It causes us to experience God. Even when I mentioned last time when he says, it's in times like these when you cannot rely on yourself, you are learning to rely on me, who can raise you from these death-like situations. See, the thing about, as, a, as an athlete and, and a runner, and I love to play all kinds of things, but especially as a runner, see, the word perseverance is a irrelevant, meaningless word unless you reach a certain kind of experience, and then it kicks in. For instance... The first time you go out and try to run, maybe some of you have tried to pick up exercising again and you're first getting out there and trying to run or do something, right? There's a, there's a certain amount that you can run a certain distance where it doesn't hurt. You feel no pain. But suddenly there comes this moment when you feel pain, you feel suffering, and what's your first instinct? You want to stop. You want to quit. But you realize in that moment you have a choice that you can actually say no to the message your body is sending and continue to run while hurting. That's called perseverance. That's what that word means, endurance, perseverance. It's a non-existent word until you've entered into that state. And what's so crucial about it, as anybody who's done exercise for any length of time, is that what's so wonderful is that if your goal is that you want health and you realize you have to run for a certain length of time or you want to win a race or you've got something out there, you're willing to go through that experience because you know what it's going to produce. And the point is, is that every time you push through that pain and continue in it and you engage perseverance, your muscle grows. Your muscle becomes stronger where you only used to run a mile, now you can run two, now you can run three, and you have hope of reaching the end game, the end goal. Well, James is saying the same thing. The Lord's saying it to us. Likewise, he says, it's that without trials, your faith muscle would never grow. Your faith muscle would never be mature and complete and not lacking. See, the thing is that once you enter into this perseverance point where you have to make a choice to see your suffering in your trial to say, as hard as this is, as difficult this is, the Lord's with me, he loves me, he's for me, this is normal. As you press through and into it and through it by the power of the Spirit, by his presence, your faith grows. You learn to rely on him you learn to discover his presence in a way you never had to know it before. You experience his power in a way you never had to know it before when, when before you were doing it all in your own strength. At the very least, see, is that the purpose, the first and primary purpose, I think, is about growth. It's about growth in our faith, our experience of God, our experience of his goodness, our experience of his presence, our experience of his love, of his comfort, of his care. 
And especially as it exposes things in us that need to be transformed. And then we begin to change. And see, that leads to the next purpose, which I'm running out of time, so I'm going to have to pick this up again. But the next purpose is the gospel. See, so many times, Pete and I and others, we've laughed together, kind of, what, not laugh ha-ha, but laugh like, ah, uh, is that there's these two verses in Paul and Peter when he says that live in a certain way so that then people will ask you for the hope that you have. And we've kind of, again, commiserating, laughing, <laughs> just saying, nobody's asking us questions. Nobody's asking us why. But do you realize that when somebody sees a life that's suffering and sees it as light and momentary, as sees it as, as not something to be anxious or fearful or grumbling or complaining, when they see us with hope, they see us with peace, they see us without fear, without anxiety, they see us at rest, they're going to ask, why? Why? And that leads to the gospel. That leads to opportunities to share. That leads to point them to the source of why we are the way that we are. And so I just want to encourage you today that one of the first things is to recognize that there is purpose behind this, this transforming experience of growth to become more like Jesus, that our faith becomes more like Jesus, that we'd be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And the primary reason is so that people will notice that people will be drawn, people will want to inquire, people will want to know how are you going through what I'm going through with such a completely different attitude. In fact, there's this weird happiness about you that I don't even get at all. Well, that's only going to come as we understand why, the purpose for which we're going through some of this. So again, we'll have to pick it up next time about the other purposes. So Lord, I just want to pray for us today. I just want to pray that you would give us the ability to hear you say to us again, Beloved, consider it pure joy when you face the trials of many kinds because you know that it's in these experiences, this testing of your faith, that I am producing perseverance in you in order to grow your faith, to transform you more into the likeness of Jesus, and ultimately so that people will see something different and want to know why. So, Lord, to that end, have your way in us. We love you and bless you, God. Amen. And God bless you all, too. Have a great one. Enjoy. Enjoy.